can you hear me rubbing my hands together like Birdman? Yes, you definitely should be able to, all the money this might cost. Um, it's just that it's about that time, man. It is about that time. It's about that point in the season for me to actually start taking Austin Celtics discussion seriously. Me and Heat Chick. Heat Chick. Heat Check. <laughs> me and Heat Check did that on the podcast last week. We dove into it a little bit. Welcome back, everybody, by the way. This should be episode 16, I think. I'm going to go ahead and get it out of the way now. If you are listening to this on Spotify, please rate because there is a direct correlation between the times that I forget to mention that you can rate it very easily with a little star right there and the amount of ratings it actually gets that week. Y'all have been very helpful. Appreciate it. Uh, Apple Podcasts, feel free as well. But Spotify has been lighting y'all up at like a at, at a crazy ratio. Anyways, um, speaking of heat check, that's one of my favorite guests that I've had on the podcast. Unfortunately, if you listen to last week's pod, you know, the audio was a bit off. Uh, I'll bring him back at a certain point because he had a lot of uh, interesting things to provide, a lot of interesting insight to provide, uh, specifically as it pertains to Boston and even Dinwiddie and Dallas, which is some things that we'll be discussing this week because we have new things to talk about there. All right. Well, if it's all the same to y'all, we can just go ahead and dive into it. Go ahead and dive into it because... I'm doing this right after the Celtics and Nets game. That's probably why I'm tripping over my words just a little bit. Got to see Kyrie and KD play together for one of the rare times that you'll see it. And here's a tweet from Kevin O'Connor, NBA. Y'all know Kevin O'Connor, right? Very well respected. Very well respected in the NBA space. Um, I don't want to say NBA Twitter space because that limits it. Like NBA Twitter, it's not not really a serious thing in my opinion. Anyways, Kevin O'Connor, you know, vouch. Uh, as if he needs my vouch. He says the Celtics are contenders to make the NBA finals. Udoka found a rotation that works. Tatum and Brown Tatum and Brown are blossoming. 22 and 8 in 2022 with a top 10 offense and by far the number one defense. Forget how Boston season started. This is a different team and should be taken seriously. All right. Well, let's break that down a little bit. It's a perfect way to go ahead and start discussing them. Um, just for some of the context, they are the fifth seed in the NBA right now. Fifth seed in the Eastern Conference, the NBA's Eastern Conference, sitting behind the Chicago Bulls by a game, I think, after today's win. Right off the bat, do I agree with O'Connor that they are now contenders to make the NBA Finals? Ooh, have I gotten there on this squad? I'll tell you the part that I wholeheartedly agree with. Obviously, this is a different team. This is a very different team than the one that we were watching on Christmas Day. Blow leads, the ones that we were basically, or I was basically just kind of laughing at throughout the season on the podcast because it's like, hey, this is just my luck. You know, we almost made the finals a couple of times and now we're here and they're talking about Jalen Brown trades and how far can you really get with Tatum and, and Brown. So, yes, definitely a different team than that one. The ball movement is crisp. It's beautiful. It's it, it actually makes me so happy to see that as opposed to Tatum, consistent Tatum isolation. So that's one of the differences. It feels like the things that Tatum is doing, even in this Nets game where, oh, by the way, he scored 54 points. I think he's now tied Larry Bird for the most 50 point games in Boston's history. So that's uh, insane at this ripe age of 19. However, it really seems like the bailout shots, the ones where it's like cross between hezzy type things, step back. Those are mostly if other actions break down rather than just a go-to where everybody else is sitting and staring. And on a day like today, they win. So very helpful, obviously. They are, they being Tatum and Brown are working together very well because it's not just a take your turn ISO bucket brother type thing. 
even in one of those possessions where I, I believe Tatum missed, you know, we get the rebound. Brown steps into a three. It's right in his spot. Nobody's really stepping on each other's toes. The defense. I was on a podcast yesterday. I was on a fan's podcast. I did three fan podcasts in the last week or so. So I might mention that at the end. And we were he, he was asking me about my thoughts with the Celtics, basically in the calendar year 2022. And it boils down to their defense being their base just makes me happy. Their defensive activity being their base makes me happy. Because at the end of the day, it is still a lot of Tatum and Brown and then whatever else you can conjure up with open threes or Derek White off the bench. So that part is is a little questionable in terms of how far they could go in the playoffs. But boy, their defensive activity. All right, there's nothing you can do to stop Kevin Durant, right? But I am at least thrilled with the effort to say, you know, KD's coming up with the ball. Uh, Andre Drummond is setting the screen. Doesn't matter. Drummond or Claxton. And they immediately come up and they're blitzing that. They're blitzing that. The help defense is already rotating behind that. Again, KD probably had 35 plus today. Nothing you can do to stop him because he's a cheat code. Somehow he continues to come back from devastating looking injuries with no attribute loss. Don't understand it, but whatever. Can't stop it. But man, the activity, the second efforts on defense. What game was it where Marcus Smart then they killed himself the other day to save the ball after after it was nearly knocked out of bounds from a steal? He touched past it, actually, while diving into the front row. So all the, the, the second efforts are there on defense, which is really big. What we talked about with Heat Check last week, Robert Williams just guarding corner shooters is cool. And he even in this game held his own on a possession with Seth, with Seth Curry. You see, um because he was guarding the corner and then somehow it ended up with him being dragged out to the to the left wing i believe on seth and robert williams is huge so to be able to move his feet at all it's very reminiscent of deandre jordan when he could move his feet when he could still move laterally but obviously you don't ideally want williams ever that's the reason he's guarding the corner you don't want him as your go-to to be switched on to guards if he has to hold his own after guarding a corner and rotating a little bit that's there the way the Celtics are effortlessly communicating and switching on defense seems like a basic thing. But then you have a team like the Lakers who, who's giving up open threes because they don't know who's supposed to uh, to switch when or where or they're not communicating. So it seems like a basic thing. But for a team especially that might not be able to lean so heavily on their offense all the time, it's just a really big deal. Long story short, I'm just really happy with what's gone on with the defensive effort because that is what's going to take you going to take you places in a series against say the cleveland cavaliers where that is a squad and i'll be talking about them against the the sixers a little bit later that's a squad where you say man can they score enough points to to beat some of these other squads four times that's the main especially with not even knowing who's going to be on the roster by the time the playoffs start because they've just had just hellish luck with that lately but anyways that's what you wonder right is garland and, and mobley is Kevin Love going to give you his 20-something off the bench? Is Chetty Osman going to have the night, uh, the nights that he's capable of having? You wonder, do you get enough points on the board? And that becomes a specific issue when you're playing uh, those top teams like Miami in the playoffs or a top defense like the Boston Celtics. So I can live with the offense being questionable sometimes, and even that has improved so much. But I can live with those questions about can because that's a question for Boston too. You talk about that for Cleveland, that's just them getting out of the first round. For the Boston Celtics, that really is the question of getting through the Eastern Conference is can you do enough outside of Tatum? First of all, can you get Tatum and Brown? Can you have them going nine times out of ten 
And then what else can you get going around them? That's a legitimate question if you're looking at the roadblocks of them getting out of the Eastern Conference. That's still a question that I have. But if you're going against a, a Chicago that has two mid-range killers and Zach Levine and DeRozan, like, all right, well, what did DeRozan struggle with this week? I, I'm, I've, I realize in talking about Boston, I'm probably jumping into a lot of teams that I want to go in depth on later, but whatever, it is what it is. If you're looking at how, how you might be able to handle a team like Chicago, you're saying, all right, well, DeRozan, you're absolutely going to have to make him a decision maker. You're going to absolutely have to turn him into a passer, which is something a team like Atlanta is not doing because Atlanta doesn't really have that good a defense. So even in that video I made, it was just, you know, it was partly to show off DeRozan's bag and the way he gets to his spots. But admittedly, against Atlanta Hawks, it's, there's probably been better examples where I could have placed a video like that throughout this season. However, a team like Boston, you say, okay, you know that elite defense is their base. Now, it's maybe not DeRozan just walking up to a spot. It's not DeRozan just sidestepping to, to a spot. Uh, you have some things that you can go to there defensively that might help you be successful in a series like that, which is important because that might be the first round. As a matter of fact, right now, that is the first round matchup. So... But I'll, be, I'll, I'll get to talking about Chicago a little bit later. All right. <clears throat> a lot of words to get to the point where now people are calling them contenders to get out of the East. Am I there yet? Man, man, man. First of all, getting from where they were just two months ago to or two or three months ago to, to that statement. The fact that that's even being thrown around by by credible personalities is just man just a testament to, to where to where the squad has gotten but getting out of the east this year is a challenge like it's never been tell me talk about every week on the podcast the playoffs started today say okay you're gonna have to beat a healthy chicago you assume at that point lonzo ball and crusoe are back that changes the math quite a bit especially when you're you're looking at a day like today where you you barely beat the nets which it's just not a knock the nets about as healthy as they've been all year that's a that, that's a good win but still bulls are gonna come out there they're gonna hound you with caruso and lonzo that's how they that's how they do you know it's not a lot of one-on-one -on -one defense it's not a lot of DeRozan go stop this guy because DeRozan's not he's not even he, he's definitely not your defender DeRozan is not your defender at all that's not even part of the scheme as long as on Caruso so that gets real fun when the goal is to take Tatum out of the game as much as possible or force him into some difficult looks and does he relapse then I don't know Tatum has been having a hell of a stretch here this is this is very fun to watch this is the Tatum I thought we were going to come into the season and watch but anyways so you look at that and say your task to get out of the East right now is to defeat the Chicago Bulls in the first round. A lot of people probably don't think they can do it right now, although I will point out both teams have had injury issues throughout the year and their records are now nearly identical. Nearly, nearly. It's a game difference. Okay, if you were to beat Chicago, now you're looking at playing the Miami Heat in the second round. Miami Heat, that's assuming that they have defeated whatever play-in team made it. Again, could be the Brooklyn Nets, but I have a feeling Brooklyn Healthy is going to come in at 7th. Whatever, that's a different situation. Let's just assume Miami does what they do in the first round. They rightfully make the second round. You gotta beat you gotta beat Miami Heat. That's a in my view, a significantly taller order than beating the Chicago Bulls right now. That's a significantly taller order than beating the Chicago Bulls, bro. Um, I'm just thinking of right now the the pressure that a team that deep puts on you. And the the pressure that 
uh, Bam Adebayo is going to put on you in, in that series. Albeit, again, uh, Horford is still holding his own defensively these days, so that's cool. And basketball is not really a one-on-one -on -one thing at all anymore, so it's, it doesn't necessarily work like that. But, all right, whatever whatever stretch you had to do to, for them to beat the Miami Heat in the second round, whatever turn things have took and they've beaten the Miami Heat, now you're most definitely dealing with either the Philadelphia 76ers or the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, bro, that's a tall order. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Kevin O'Connor, that is a tall order, my guy. Not even gonna lie to you, bro. Um, at this rate, you could get me to give my squad a second round. A second round, I would say. And I would be happy with that. Reason I'd be happy with that is because even just sitting down watching this Nets game, man, it felt like the older days watching Boston where the games mattered. Because this season and even last season, this is how you can tell what I really think about this team. When I'm watching the games, there's two versions. There's one where we're not, we're clearly not really that competitive. We're not that good. Uh, they're going through like the fuckery that they that they were going through at the beginning of this season. So it's okay. I'll watch this game. Oh, we lost. All right. It's not that I don't care. It's just it's, it's certain expectations. Coming into a game like today, I'm actually excited. I'm at the edge of my seat. So you're going against Kevin Durant. You're going against. Kyrie Irving actually feels like you're playing for something. It feels like things matter. That's really what I'm just trying to say. It's two things. When, when the games don't really matter and you're just watching just to support the team and you're watching and it's feeling like, okay, there's something that matters here. There's something there's something at stake. And it's been a while since I watched the Boston Celtics and it felt like something was actually at stake. I'm, maybe it's just me trying to, to reserve. Maybe it's just me trying to be reserved, but I still think if we were to to be able to beat the Chicago Bulls or give DeRozan a hard enough time that you beat the Chicago Bulls in the first round, it just still really feels like that's a, that's a serious, serious mountain to climb before I can start saying things like, they're a serious contender to make the NBA Finals. I don't know. Against the Nets today, I did want to talk about the Nets game. One of the obvious factors that'll change the math there is Ben Simmons insertion into the lineup. So Andre Drummond, I don't believe he was on the court much in the second half as he was in the first. And he's a gift to uh, offenses a lot of the times, the opposing team's offense. It's putting him in pick and roll is creating lob opportunities. Uh, you know, he, he's we, we, do I really need to go through the whole spiel with DeAndre, Andre Drummond defensively? He had some good defensive plays against the Milwaukee Bucks. That does not mean he is uh, your, your go to center on on most on most days especially against contending teams with very elite ball handlers and off off the dribble scores that's not the guy you really <laughs> you really want to depend on so um I, I saw them going to that and exploiting that quite a bit in the first half and i couldn't help but think how does ben simmons change that math because there's a thought that well not a thought Kyrie irving's the point guard Kyrie's point guard seth curry's too uh you know you have kd it really feels Ben Simmons is going to be handling more. And we talked about this on the Nets. I just feel like overall his duties are going to involve more low post and perimeter these days. All right. And when he starts to play with the with the Brooklyn Nets, even then, because what I'm trying to get to here is. Is Ben Simmons your primary ball defender on a guy like Tatum in a game like this? And if he is then who's on the other side of that pick and roll when it happens? So whoever sets the screen for Tatum to, to try to screen Ben off, who's that other guy? If it's not Ben, because if Ben's not the primary ball defender, then he's on the other side of that. Now he's the one containing or doing whatever, whatever the coverage is that they drop or at the level, whatever it is, that's Simmons job if he's if he's the big man in that situation. So I'm interested to see how they do that, because 
there's a lot of times where and even you saw that in the Miami game the other day Drummond and LaMarcus Aldridge even if they can do a job for a certain amount of time in the game in a playoff series they are not your defensive bigs and so for Bam Adebayo that was food and a lot of pick and roll situations that's going to be food and so I I am very intrigued and very interested on the role that Simmons will be playing here because he for, for the Nets to make some magical run he's got quite the the tall order I think not to mention that by the time he comes back it'll be nearly by that point it'll be what 11 months since he's played an NBA game so what level is that actually going to be at the fact that his back is flared up right now how much are we really counting on Simmons at this moment but anyways just scheme wise that's kind of something I was thinking about while I was watching the the Celtics game um Aside from that, incredible shot making, a lot of incredible shot making by Tatum. So don't expect a lot of 50 balls in the playoffs, obviously. However, it is something I was wondering about. Just a lot of those shots are ones that if they don't go, all of a sudden you're looking at him like beginning a season Tatum. Today they were just going and they had nobody that could stop him. A lot of them weren't even bad defense. Guys were getting hands up. I know Claxton fouled him at the end of the third quarter, I believe, trying to stop I had to stop the, the three because you know not much else was working. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um for on the net side, KD still generational score, nothing really else to say there. The fact that you, you have a Robert Williams or Al Horford with their hand up and he still pulls up for three like they're not there. That's just a thing. It's kind of like what Heat Check was talking about last week. The what that's why the Nets are a wild card at AC because KD is still probably the best shot maker in the NBA. You have Kyrie, who it doesn't feel like he had a crazy... Maybe there was just so much Tatum that I, I might have blown the assignment kind of paying attention to Kyrie. It doesn't feel like he had a crazy successful game. Yeah, 19 points for him on 8-18. Not a bad night, but also not, not, not anything super from Kyrie Irving. Bruce Brown gave you 16, but he also missed a, a very open floater there at the end of the game. Uh, you're, you're comfortable with that if you have to... You're on a pick and roll or a short roll or whatever happens that ends up with Bruce Brown taking the shot, whether it's a three or whether it's a mid or just something near the rim. You're happier with that than <clears throat> most other shots that you get from the Nets. Interesting lineups. They actually are using Goran Dragic. Uh, I think I saw a Kyrie, Seth Curry, Goran Dragic lineup. Then I believe the other two may have been KD and, and LaMarcus Aldridge. That's fascinating um, and how they mix that up. And especially because you still have Patty Mills, too. I, you know what? Maybe Mills was a part of that lineup. Was it Mills? Was it Kyrie, Mills, and, and Dragic? That might have been another one, too. Yeah, just a just a super fun overall game. Just a super fun overall game. It ended up coming down to the wire. Um, and and Ben Simmons now, what, we're going to be talking about a month and two weeks. Playoffs will be up. And you really do, for, for like I said, if, if for nothing else in the defensive schemes, you got to work him into this pretty quickly. But that's not Boston's problem, luckily, because there's really no way that they would meet in the playoffs. It's not very likely. Obviously, the Celtics would have to nab first or second for that to happen, which actually could happen. OK, you know, Brooklyn is going to get seventh and Boston literally just keeps playing the way they are. There's a chance they could end up second in that two seven match. OK, that could actually could happen. Yeah, Celtics and Nets could actually happen. Very much could happen. So while this is a good win, I just want to see Ben Simmons out there so I can just so I can factor that in there into the equation because I have a feeling that with Simmons out there, however, they have to do the lineup or the scheme. You're probably not going to have possessions where Kyrie is on is on Tatum. Let's say they've just somehow forced that switch 
probably not going to have that or whoever, whatever significantly smaller defender's gotten on him or just another big that's not really equipped for it. Like a Nick Claxton. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun down the stretch, but that was a very fun game for the Celtics. They have uh, won now three straight games. Yeah, so that's a third straight win. Chicago Bulls have lost four and the Celtics are making noise at the right time. Man. There's no better time than to make noise than in around March where you see who you, how you're going to be closest to the playoffs. Basically, eight and two in their last 10. Just got to stay healthy now. Jalen Brown was able to come back. Thank God. Ankle injury wasn't that serious. Just keep everybody there. I'm excited to see where it goes. But for now, I'm not jumping the gun. And, and as much as you see me joke and troll on Twitter, don't fall for it, bro. Some of that's obvious bait. I, I don't have championship aspirations yet. But boy, am I happy <laughs> watching them right now. Because this season looked like a wash. It looked like a wash earlier, and it's just completely turned around. Ime Yudoka used to have something to say every week about Boston's effort and their guys it was always something with effort and i'm like damn bro do we have to go to we have to go through this every time we lose so this is you know the actions he's implemented like kevin o'connor said rotations just worked out really nice and the options that you have with rotations like if guys i'm still interested to see if a team does go you know really small in the playoffs do you get or how much of a, a white smart tatum brown lineup do you end up getting will you ever have to go to something like that legitimately i don't know well that's what I'm going to say about Boston for now. <clears throat> that can take us to the Chicago Bulls because they have had a fascinating week, to say the least. So, as I just mentioned, this is a squad that has lost four straight games. They are a hard judge right now. They're hard judge because you're looking at one hand and going, uh-oh, right before the playoffs, you've now just played a lot of teams that kind of matter in the context of a playoff run. Played Milwaukee. Atlanta, not so much, given that they still have to play their way in. It could end up mattering through some weird math, but probably not. You lost to Miami. You lost to Memphis. Um, more on them later. Two specific games there that really matter are Miami and, and Milwaukee. And then Memphis, too, because Memphis is, is a con is, I almost said contender. I'd say they're, they've reached that threat level. So much so that when you evaluate certain things, I would say, you kind of look and go, all right, this kind of matters in the context of what might be happening against a team of a similar strength down the road in the playoffs. So that specifically applies to a DeMar DeRozan because that, that was a game that had already happened when, when Heat Check and I spoke last week. We kind of went through the whole thing with DeRozan and, and defense, but you go to Miami. A, uh, as a matter of fact, let's just let's just do it this way through this, through this contender stretch because... That's the question everybody wants answered. And through a stretch like this, you get some kind of insight. A little bit of insight, at least. So, <clears throat> yeah, through these four games, still gets his numbers up. Still averaging, you know, 25 points a game. That's cool. And it's down to 40% on the field goals, the thing. 40% field goal percentage. When I'm pretty sure he's having, like, one of the most... This has to be, off the top of my head, would this be the most efficient year of his career? I just feel like from the eye test alone, it would probably be, and I am not right. Oh, okay, in 2020, it was actually the most efficient. However, he's taking five more shots this year per game and only shooting 2% less than he did in 2020. So, you know, that's, that's it's negligible, right? His effective field goal percentage is literally almost identical to then. So yeah, it's one of his most efficient. And uh, through this through this little stretch here, it's gotten significantly harder. It's because of, like I was just talking about, if Boston gets them in a playoff series. It's the defense. It's the help. It's the showing help. It's the, the making him 
As a matter of fact, would that be shown in... Oh my god. Wait a minute, that cannot be right. Why is... Oh, okay, that's... <laughs> That's Chicago overall with turnovers. All right, I was looking. I was looking at turnovers and all right, yeah. So he had three turnovers against Miami. He had four turnovers against uh, Atlanta. Then only two in Milwaukee and then one in Memphis. So that's cool. Losing those games, you go and they're a hard judge because you wonder. All right, still missing their two best perimeter defenders. That is a big, giant chunk of of what they do. So that's one thing. But also, how much do those two change in a series against Milwaukee, though, where your problem isn't necessarily perimeter defense? It, it's more what exactly do you do with Giannis and the open shots that he creates and the open shots that guys get? Um, that's you know, how much movement does that cause for Vucevic? I know Bobby Portis at the beginning of that game. I think he started with two or, or three three pointers. That game went a bit back and forth. It was still competitive. But yeah, you do kind of wonder how much do they change in a game like that? How much do they change in a game uh, like the Miami game? And then Memphis. Now that, obviously, you know, that's a big deal when the, the biggest threat is, is is the point guard. That That's a big deal there. However, it's not encouraging. It's just not encouraging this close to drop that many games. But it's also not fully fair to judge them fully just yet. It's just so that's why in the stretch I've just tried to specifically laser in on how DeMar DeRozan handles himself, how he conducts himself in, in these type of games. Um, again, it's, a, it's an 11 of 30 night, 11 of 30 night against Milwaukee. It's kind of nuts. 50 percent against ATL, uh, 7 to 16 against Miami, 10 of 29 against Memphis. So even though he ended up with this 31, he started off super slow. That game was just sluggish overall. And the Atlanta one, that game had a lot to do with Trey Young. And so again, being short your two guys, that does matter because there was a lot of Io DeSumo possessions on Trey Young, and Trey just had it going. So it was unfortunate. <laughs> there was a lot of shots that Trey hit. It was just like he was slicing them up, slicing them up at pick and roll. It just got real unfortunate real fast. However, again, DeSumo, not bad defensively at all. It's actually been a good part. Uh, a, a pretty decent part of what Chicago does defensively without those two and so when those two do come back now it's cool now you have that on the back burner that's um it's gonna be helpful but uh, there's questions with them though there's questions with them though I see the fans questioning it they could fall to fifth that would take away home court series that would take away home court for any first round series that's what that would do could end up happening the team behind them was incredibly hot at the moment I just want to see them healthy, bro. That's it. That's that's all I want from the Chicago Bulls at this specific moment. You took your lumps. Uh, it. I wouldn't say it went too terribly other than the losses. They didn't go that terribly. They still competed heavily with Milwaukee, which also could turn into a first round matchup if things fall a certain way. So they didn't go too terribly, but they didn't go too encouraged. It, it wasn't as encouraging. It's kind of what I would say with them. So be on the lookout. Be on the lookout, and if they play, who, who do y'all have left at Chicago? That's the question for Chicago for y'all's schedule. Who are y'all playing? Uh, here, this is this is easier because I want to see how this is gonna. Who else do we really need to pay attention? Oh my gosh, I'll play the 76ers tomorrow. Okay, okay, okay. This is what y'all are doing. All right, nice. Yeah, this is actually kind of not bad, but damn. So 76ers tomorrow, which I'm assuming James Harden will be up and ready for. Play the Cavaliers next Saturday. 
play the Jazz Wednesday after that. You play the Suns, who should have like everyone but Chris Paul back at that point. You play the Raptors, that's annoying. You play the Bucks again. You play the Cavaliers again. You play the Pelicans, who were on a roll. Uh, Knicks, Wizards, cool, cool. You play the Heat. You play the Bucks. You play the Celtics. Yeah, that's a. It's this is a real. This is a real, real test for Chicago at the end, and hopefully, at by some way through this, they'll have their their, their healthy roster because you can only judge this so much without so many guys. For instance, they play the Bulls tomorrow, and they're gonna have to deal with Tyrese Maxey and, and Harden without those two. Now, that in a game like that, that totally changes things or it affects things in a very heavy way. So let's just see how competitive they are in that. And and how DeRozan handles the defenses of a of a Cavaliers team, of a Boston team, of a Heat team. That's really what's most important, I think. Coming down the stretch for Chicago. Speaking of Philly, since we're there, they played the Cavaliers earlier this week. And yeah, I can't even remember what day that was. That really couldn't have been more than a few days ago. Things I had the thing that happens in a Sixers Cavs matchup is it, it kind of shows why. And you would get some opposite takes on this, so. On one hand, the Cavaliers were up by around 18 or something like that, and they were playing great defense. They were, looked like they were in a bit of a zone. They were giving the Sixers a really hard time. Uh, their offense was really sluggish. The Cavaliers were just moving. They're just, just flying all over the floor. However, time goes on. Sixers get hot. Harden figures it out. Maxi figures it out. They've lost the game. And on one hand, you will see people during that game going, oh, this is why a lot of teams and even the Sixers you don't want that matchup first you don't want to have to deal with the Cavaliers like yeah very annoying true but also I just feel like a lot of the top teams can outlast them though so experience aside yeah experience aside with the scoring you know if you're the Philadelphia 76ers and you know eventually you're going to get your stuff you're going to get to your stuff Harden and Beat are going to get to their stuff and if the these this little sample we've had with Maxi is any indication he's going to get to his stuff as well. He's going to um, off the opportunities that Harden provides in transition off the open shots that you get from the, the from the offensive activity of those. He's going to get it going. Hell, even George Niang really had it going because he had so many open shots based off of just Harden's movement with the ball in the perimeter. He was getting real open. And the fact that Harden knows who to hit or how to hit you on the perimeter. Yeah, you're, you're going to get you're going to be outlasted, basically. So I'm saying so. I watched that game through a different lens. I was like, yeah, defensive activity for sure. It's just going to be annoying for a top team, but I still stand firmly on that's that's what I would rather do. You know, because if you're Philly, you say, okay, do you... Uh, Cleveland's defense is, is super tough, and then maybe it won't be as difficult for you. And the length that they have, obviously. The length and the size that they have makes that really tough. So do you overlook the talent and say, oh, we would rather play Chicago? I don't know that you do again because a team like that might not be able to outlast they can gun with you uh, in the playoffs it just feels like the right thing to always want to be in a series with the team that can't necessarily gun with you for for the for the distance and that's what i worry about with the cavaliers can they go the distance with you um, but they were there was good showing though it's good showing from garland and beach defense was not particularly great that night so it, that was an entertaining game um, and Tyrese Maxey, boy. <laughs> Talk about having a third. I want to see how this keeps going because at this point, it's been four or five games. It's been consistent. When Harden is on the floor, it has been consistently great at this point. I want to see it continue 
And then, man, if you get to the playoffs and you have th this version of Maxi that where everything doesn't depend on a hard norm bead, and then now that goes to a point where, oh, what are his minutes like when Harden's out on the floor? When you go back to the regular lineup and it's it's Maxi and Embiid, what are those minutes like? That's what's interesting with the confidence that's building playing next to Harden. I know Harden is in his ear. That's a big deal. Since Tobias Harris is ear too, but he's shooting 29% from three since he got there. Um, that's what Harden told him though. Told him to keep shooting whether you make him or not. <laughs> Man, Maxi's just been a, a crazy factor for them. And it's what I always wonder too. I always hate seeing guards who have the ball in their hands a lot have to switch their game especially this late in the season but it's just become easier for him yeah, a lot of his buckets more of his buckets are assisted obviously being a point guard you probably didn't have many of those before philly is now in the second seed philly is three games behind first the way the season is 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 winding up and or winding down and the consistency you've seen with miami is starting to get hard to imagine that they're going to lose that although again they do play the bulls they Miami's got a, a date with a couple of these squads, I believe, down the stretch. Let me just not speak uh, nonsense. You look at this schedule. Because a three-game lead becomes a little bit difficult to lose with everything else that's going on. Because they're going to play the Suns soon, who don't have anybody playing. Um, they're going to play the Cavs, who play the Warriors. Okay, yeah, Bulls and Celtics, subs, right? All right. Not too bad for the Heat, though, coming down the stretch. Anyways, uh, in, in either case, the experiment with Harden, we talked about that last week. We talked about it more in depth last week with Heat Check. Uh, he missed one game since then, but they've now had two comebacks, I think, too. I think the Knicks had a lead in, in that game, that, that in the second game that went away. So Sixers look good. Sixers look good. Maxi looks good. Their first round at the moment is against a play-in team, just kind of where you would probably want to be. Unless... Oh my gosh, what are they going to do about this? What are we going to do about this if it's if it's Philly and Brooklyn in the first round? Brooklyn gets seventh. Ben Simmons cannot avoid Philly multiple times in a series. Oh, I need all the chaos. I need all the chaos. Harden versus team he just got traded from. KD versus Harden. Simmons versus Philly. Oh, please. Please, please, please let that happen. I'm thinking about Kyrie's involvement. That's why it's got quiet. Because there's been a lot of there's been a lot of news that's come out with what New York is actually going to do with that. So, you know, we're still on hold. I saw Kyrie play once once today and kind of forgot. We're still on hold with what's actually going to happen with that because that changes the math quite a bit. Well, then we can talk about a couple of these squads that we don't necessarily get to a whole lot. For instance, Toronto has had a very weird week. If you weren't paying attention, I do want to preface it by saying. Fred Van Vliet is out, so it happens, but damn. They're going to play on ESPN tonight, by the way, too, so that's new. Um, Okay, so while I'm sitting here just trying to, to gather my thoughts, they're not going to give me what I need here. All right, cool. So this actually backs up a little bit. The, they got absolutely demolished by the Hornets, which was just a, a weird thing, especially when that's a team you might have to play in, play in. That was just a very weird thing. Okay, you got smacked by the Hornets. Got smacked by 27 directly after that by the Atlanta Hawks. Then they smacked Brooklyn. Now, which version of Brooklyn was it? Um, oh, yeah, there was nobody in that game. There's nobody in that game because it was in Toronto, I believe. So, okay, but still, after getting smacked twice, smacking Brooklyn is, is strange. And then they, oh, was it a home-and-home? Home? They played them again, and then they only beat them by one. 
right clay after that so that was nets at brooklyn again basketball is so weird and then that happens you go back and now you've taken two straight l's to the detroit pistons and the orlando magic in that stretch malachi flynn who <laughs> i have actually heard a, a good bit about was having some good games and now he's out so that's trash what is it what was his injury again i don't want to say yeah so a hamstring he's day to day with a hamstring but for that stretch of games though and that, and that you've had without fred van vliet you get we can just look at it all it was uh, a stretch of four games here that you get with him averaging 16 points 55 percent from three 57 percent from the field was he the one that and six assists by the way too was he the one that earlier in the season i think is somebody found a, a comment from one of his parents on facebook talking about how nick nurse treats and that was that was malachi flynn right i'm pretty sure anyway this is a guy throughout the season it's only averaging four points on on 40 33 percent from three so uh, by my math, Toronto, if if he's not playing and <laughs> if Fred VanVleet's not playing, they're playing without a, an actual point guard. So what what becomes the line of them? Um, their latest game against Orlando Magic, a six point L. If you're looking and and, Fred, and Malachi Flynn is there, so you're Gary Trent, Kim Birch. Uh, they actually played a little bit more. Yeah, good lord, they're gonna have to play uh, Mikhailu who dropped 40 in the G League the other day, by the way. Is that is that where this is going? He dropped 40 in the G and, and got some minutes for Toronto against the Magic. That might be where they have to go with this. Good grief. No. Yeah, because it's small forward and shooting guard. And then Pascal Siakam. I don't know, bro. This is tough. This is it, it's it's just this is the roster issues that I was kind of talking about with Toronto before the trade deadline, which is kind of figuring out exactly which way you go. You got Gary Trent here as an option with a ball handler. I'm I'm very fascinated to see their next point guard this game. That's all I'm saying. That's that's oh, you got Delano Banton who who kills it in the G League. We're gonna give him some actual run. Yeah, go Delano. Go Delano. Go Delano. Start Delano Banton at point guard. And see what we get. I doubt that's what's gonna happen. You're probably just gonna get one of these, one, one of the regulars, one of the other ball handlers, just running point, um, at a, at a random point. Uh, okay. Anyways, any all all of this is irrelevant. Uh, I just had to I just had to throw that in there because Toronto. Every time they popped up for me this week, I was like, huh, some weirdness. There's some weird shit going on here. And there always was some weird shit going on with them. They are trying to get out of the play-in desperately. They are close. They're two games behind the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the Cavs, they have one more stretch to loot to, to go without Darius Garland. And he's back, but they have one more stretch to go without him before all of a sudden this great season that they had has turned into a, a play-in um, involving like Brooklyn and the Atlanta Hawks, which is just kind of tough. They're not going to fall that far, actually. Even if they did fall into the play-in, it would only be seven. So they'd probably be okay, except... It could get played out of that. I don't know. That would that would be a really unfortunate end to, to Cleveland's run this season. You you have this great season and you miss so many guys that you just slip to seventh and then you get booted. That would just be a, an overall tough situation. <laughs> I don't want to see that happen to them. I'm not trying to see that happen to them, but I'm not mad if, if Trey Young is in the playoffs either. All right. Anyways, moving on. I did go to two Magic and Pacers games this week. Shout out to, to Reese, to Halliburton. A friend of the stream and they were in town got to see them close up get to see the rebuilding project and i kind of wanted to talk about them anyways because we've had some we've had some uh 
time elapsed to evaluate what the Pacers and Kings have done. So they split against the Magic. Doesn't matter at this point. Both teams that are basically more or less tanking at this point, I guess. But um, it's interesting to see Malcolm Brogdon minutes with Reese because the whole reason that I had spent time on this podcast going break Fox and Halliburton up was not because that that was the problem with the team or that was going to fix everything. It's just I'm never a fan of seeing guards who are primarily point guards uh, sharing minutes where they have to be off ball. You have to adjust your game to be off ball to accommodate the other guy. That was kind of the crux of that whole thing. And the Kings agreed for different reasons and they broke that up. Now he's more or less in a situation where it looks like he'll be doing that with Brogdon as well. Although Brogdon had the superior game in the in the second game. He almost, I, I wouldn't say he won it for them, but yeah, he got them back in it. Played a huge part. Man is still uberly talented. But it was fun. It was fun getting to see it up close. Definitely fun to, to get to see, first of all, just a game that close in general. But um, Halliburton passing as well to Isaiah Jackson. Once again, whatever big you put with him, you just put him in the pick and roll and all of a sudden... Uh, he finds you so that was fun to see up close and the off ball even at the end of the second game the off ball minutes worked because Brogdon was able to do what he needed to do to bring them back and then you had Reese hit like three clutch three-pointers I think where it was just kind of catch and shoot so especially in that second game that, that's what was working better for him than going off ball anyways but entertaining games um and just to see his stretch since he's been a member of the Pacers because I actually didn't think Brogdon was even coming. I didn't know if he was gonna be you know, a big part of them as the season winded down. I thought it was just gonna be mostly running reset PG. Anyway, he's had some uh, major success. You go indie. Wow, this trade man, time is just flying. Since he's gotten to indie, it's been 19 points a game, nine assists, uh, 41% from three, 50% from the field. So. Definitely something to be happy for for the future. Even Buddy Heald, by the way. Buddy Heald is... is I don't want to leave him out of that. Sometimes you forget that he was traded to Indiana as well. Buddy Heald has been been playing well. He's... Uh, I saw a stat. Some stat about how much better he's he's creating his shot. And the Magic game specifically, they were still... That, that old Buddy that is just like, damn. He will shoot. <laughs> he will shoot his shot. That is one thing he do. He will shoot his shot. But it's been going well for him in Indy as well. And so it's just a it's just a rebuild for them, all right. So that's cool. So they're, they're happy with their piece and Halliburton. We'll see what happens with Heald in the future. They're cool. Meanwhile, Darren Fox is back. Darren Fox has has been on a tear. If you haven't been paying attention, you probably haven't because after that trade, that was probably the most that's probably the most the Kings have been in the news ever in a lot of your lifetimes <laughs> or since the Marcus Cousins left. So since he came back and he started dressing, my God, has he scored under twenty points? He has not. Oh my, yeah, in those 10 games, it looks like he has not scored under 20 once. He actually had a 44 ball in the loss against Dallas last night. He's averaging 28 points a game. So 28 and 6, 36% from 351 from the field. Um, doesn't really have to share his his on-ball minutes. So once again, I thought that was going to be beneficial for both of them. All right, Sabonis is also a good piece for them too. We don't need to go through that. We talked about Sabonis and what he does for the Kings, all right? We've done that. Sacramento Kings are still in the 13th seed. They're four and a half games out of the play-in, and with uh, 16 games left in their season, I would say a four-game difference is probably not being made up, given that you know, the Lakers are up there with LeBron. That's, that is what it is right now, but it's still LeBron, as you saw last night. Pelicans, four straight. Winners are four straight. 
And then the Kings, it's just off and on. I don't feel like that's going to get a whole lot better. Before I just really, really, really let it ring on Sacramento, I do want to see what happens in the offseason. Because the whole point of getting DeMontis Sabonis was the playoffs. That that was it. Um, unless you had some move up your sleeve for the, the offseason and it wasn't this season. It's a big thing of, okay, you know what? He makes us better right now. He can get us to the play-in this season, next season. This season is pretty much already about to come off the books. That's, that's probably not going to happen this year. He will have two years left on his contract after that. Right, 2023 and 2024. I'm just going to wait to see what happens, man. I'm going to wait to see what happens. I'm going to see if somebody goes to Sacramento. I'm going to see if the team significantly improves. Because there's good stuff there. Between Fox and Sabonis, there is... By the way, what they called them up there apparently is Fox and the Ox. Alright. I hope... Y'all didn't just catch me burp on this here sports podcast. It's not exactly what I was going for. Anyways. <laughs> um, no, there's there's good basketball to be played between them. But boy, no playoffs this year. No playoffs next year, if that doesn't happen. And the West is going to be back healthy. Uh, you assume the Clippers are probably be back into that fold. It, it gets still going to be difficult. The Nuggets are going to be healthy. It's probably going to be difficult to still take a spot up there. All of a sudden, you have traded... Therese Halliburton for a guy that was supposed to get to you to the playoffs and he didn't get you to the playoffs so that first domino was falling right now of no playoffs that's that's all I really wanted to say about the Sacramento Kings it's not that important but damn a team that is becoming important though we have mentioned the Pelicans a little bit Don Williamson is all of a sudden in the news for a possible and I don't know how possible but a possible return Pelicans are one game behind the Lakers. They smashed on them earlier this week, but who really hasn't when it comes to LA? They're a game behind them. So with how that season is going, they could overtake them for the ninth spot. CJ and, and Brennan Ingram are playing off of each other beautifully. And now they're going. Zion has returned from Portland. He has made his return. He is back with the team, apparently. And they are clearing him to participate in basketball activities. And Shams, at the end of that tweet, even made sure to say, uh, you know, how well they're playing and how close they are to actually being able to make the playoffs. Are they really about to throw Zion back on top of this after we spent the whole year on this podcast saying that wasn't going to happen, that he wouldn't go play another game again? If they do, boy, well, obviously, it's just like the same thing with Ben Simmons, but worse because Simmons has a back injury. You're talking about Zion with the foot. I just have to get a look at him first and see like what the weight is around. If they're bringing him back from rehab, I'm assuming it's 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 manageable. I would still err on the side of just let the Pelicans do what they're doing this season and don't throw him back on top of it. You throw him back on top of it. That's a good team, by the way. You throw him back on top of that. Uh, what, what lineup are you running? You know, CJ, Point. You throw Herb in there, Brandon Ingram, Zion, JV, or whatever you want to do. You got Devontae Graham, whatever lineup you want to run with. It's a decent team. That's a team that could probably get to you to, to like that mid spot in the Western Conference. It's kind of where I envision envision them next year when that happens. You get eight or seventh. You're playing Memphis or Phoenix in the first round. Oh, yeah, or the Warriors in the first round. It's fun, and when you're a team that's building, I guess the goal is to inspire confidence. And I don't know the fact that they even bring it back. It's like, hey, maybe I would still just say the fact that. Two or three weeks ago, they were going, oh, Zion is is 
maybe going to need a second surgery and now you've got him right back here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really chance it. I don't know if I would chance it just for, just to play a contender in the first round. I don't know if I would chance it, especially because without him, but with the way Zion, or my bad, CJ and, and Ingram are cooking, just let them cook, let them cook, let Ingram keep getting his reps in, um, yeah, switching between his bag versus distributing. Just let him keep doing him. Let him get his chemistry with CJ. Possibly still make the AC. It's still going to be the same result. You're going to lose in the first round. But I'm also not mad if they finesse somehow a, a seven seed and play Memphis in the in the first round. And now you've got Zion for his job. But also, what do you expect from Zion after this long off? And what would his minutes be like? This feels like it would be a lot. It'd be very similar to how it went the first few times we've seen him come back where it's like he just can't play much. So not really expecting much out of it, but I did want to put that in your ears that, oh man, you've been listening to the Domcast all year at this point. Shout out to y'all for that. And now they're, they're talking spicy. They're talking spicy out there in New Orleans. That CJ trade, though. I liked it since it happened. I love it now. And that's a fun squad, especially in 2K. It's a very fun squad. CJ, CJ has one of the better 2K bags. It's a very underrated 2K bag. Underrated bags. Dallas Dinwiddie. We touched on it last week. When I talked to Heat Check, I asked him just to kind of explain the Spencer Dinwiddie trade. He hadn't had as many games uh, as he has now. Obviously, that's how time works. I asked him to explain it because we were all confused. Not that Porzingis is that good. It was just the deal for Dinwiddie who looked kind of washed or not great. In Washington, it was just the thing where why? That's that's all we were asking. But this is why. So, it, by the way, he's also made a video about it since then. We talked about it on the podcast, and he was basically saying it's another shot creator uh, for minutes for for Lucas minutes as well. You get him out there, he does some damage. And let's just go since his first two games in Dallas. Let's be selective and switch those out. Since then, man, he's been cooking, bro. Twenty-two. That, that's a count of five games. Five games, 22 points a game, six assists, 45% from three, 57% from the field. And it looks like, I don't know if it's a one-to-one, but they look like Brooklyn Dinwiddie buckets. Talking off the dribble, hard finishes. He had 36 last night against Sacramento, and one of those were a bucket that either took the lead or tied it. And it was downhill, meet you at the rim. Maybe could have been a foul. I think he got kicked. It was a tough finish. These things happening how they were supposed to and how they envisioned is a big deal because the whole idea, first of all, again, you get shot creators. You got you get one other shot creator when Luca's not on the floor. Then there's lineups you can run with him on the floor as well to maximize Luca ball. That was the the idea, not idea, but that was the conclusion we basically came to last week was saying, hey, maximize the space around them. And now you have space and another creator, a guy that can attack a closeout or a guy that can do something with the ball that's not named Jalen Brunson, that's not named Luka. That is a big, big deal. That's a headache because what happens with Luka ball, first of all, you can look at it and be cynical saying it's lost in the playoffs twice so far. It's also only played the Clippers twice. That's the that's the big deal there. The big caveat is his first two playoff bouts have been against a, a very talented and very good Clippers team whose specialty is supposed to be perimeter defense. Anyways, with the guys that they have. And he, he's been able to basically just manipulate them in pick and rolls and get big switched onto him and, and cook to the tune that he could have eliminated 
the Clippers last year. It didn't happen, but it's very hard to stop. That's my point. Luka Ball, it's probably not going to championships, probably not going to go that far with the way the roster is constructed, but it is very hard to stop. Now you've got Luka Ball and you've got Dinwiddie playing the way that he is. It's very fragile, man. It's a very fragile thing because they could have won both of those series that they played over the last two years. You throw this factor in here and you throw them against, uh, who is that? The Utah Jazz. It's starting to become more and more likely that they're going to be locked into playing the Utah Jazz if they don't fall. If they don't fall out of fifth or fourth, they will probably, they will probably play Utah. That's going to be fun. Utah is good on offense. All respect to Donovan Mitchell. I've just been sitting around wondering this week, looking at Luka play, really for the last couple of weeks, but especially now, I've just been looking and going, man, who's going to have to deal with Luka Ball in this first round? Who's, who's going to be the unlucky team to deal with it in the first round? Because even if you can beat the Mavericks, which you can if you're a team that has aspirations, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun to, to have Luka come off you know, a, a pick or hunt your, your guard, you know, it, your guard that you were hiding and switch him on get him switched on and get him in the post like it's just not a fun first round matchup for anybody um uh, in this utah jazz maverick series a lot of it falls on gobert quite obviously they're going to be trying to switch that and gobert has had some plays where he could stay with them but he also had plays where just like anybody else who guards luca he couldn't however being that it, it, it's not that luca doesn't count as like a small quick guard that's probably ideal for rudy gobert switches I just want to see it though i just want to see it play out that's all i just want to see it play out i just want to see it play out because dallas has quickly become fascinating they are they've won four games straight they're knocking on the door of a 40 and 25 record um they've quite honestly turned things around they looked average to start the season their defense is good they've maximized luca ball dallas dinwiddie he's not spencer dunwiddie thankfully if you're a mavericks fan that worked out, bro. That worked out. That worked out. You, there's not going to be a, a first round this year of, of seeing Luca throw the ball to Porzingis for him to brick or, you know, Porzingis to pull up in transition or asking for more Luca. Sorry, more Porzingis post ups. It's going to be none of that this year. It is just live by Luca ball, die by it all the way with no little wrinkles in there. So that I am fascinated to see. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Shout out to Spencer, man. Shout out to Spencer. Sometimes a change of scenery is all that you need speaking of changes of scenery i did want to talk about marvin bagley or bagley however you say it bagley i'm gonna say this is martin bagley whatever so this is a guy that most people have given up on at this point he's playing in sacramento for a while sometimes he wouldn't really playing at all uh top pick years ago 2018 would probably be considered a bust at this point however dude five games with the pistons it's not I would say it's not bad. The stats don't necessarily pop, but he's serviceable. It's not a guy, at least looking in Detroit, it doesn't look like a guy that's going to be falling out of a rotation or falling out of the league anytime soon. It's giving them 13 and 6 for the time being, uh, 52% from the field. Cade is doing a good job finding him. Uh, he's, he's finishing around the rim well. Pistons obviously aren't playing for anything at the moment, but that's why if you go back to the trade, the trade deadline episode, that was one of the it was one of the trades that I mentioned. I was like, oh, let's just see what happens. Let's see if Kate can unlock something there. So it'll be interesting to see what type of role he gets with Detroit going forward. Small sample size, only five games right now. Probably have about you know 15 to 20 games left. So we'll see where it goes. But Detroit is in a just figure it out mode. They'll be drafting somebody this year. 
Um, we'll see if you know, he can kind of become a main part of that rotation because that would be a very nice comeback. Yeah, just nothing really, ha nothing good happens when you drive to the Sacramento. Getting traded to Detroit ain't much better, but you know when you got motorcade, that's that changes that changes things a little bit. At least you got something to look forward to. So he's been an exciting watch so far, I would say, and uh, glad that he's doing well. Another guy that is doing well, I can save him for the end actually, because there are more pressing matters. Actually, there's more pressing matters, as in the Memphis Grizzlies taking the second seed. They are half a game in front of the Golden State Warriors. Okay. This is just, man, it's an every week thing, right? Where more and more you just kind of sit and wonder how seriously do you take them? They've been sitting behind Golden State snug all year. They're snug and tight sitting behind Golden State pretty much the entire season. And they just keep knocking and knocking and they keep winning and Jaw keeps dunking and he keeps moving up the MVP ladder and they keep winning and then they keep making more highlights. It, it just keeps happening at this consistent rate. Now they're second. That second seed gives them home court advantage if they're able to hang on to it, by the way. Also want to mention this has all happened without Dylan Brooks. That's important. I feel like people have kind of forgotten about him. You're looking at the Warriors in the second round pretty much no matter how you cut it. That second seed gives them a chance to play a play-in team. You're starting to wonder things. You are starting to wonder things. They did play the Celtics earlier this week. Made some good adjustments. I, I like the Celtics like defensive activity against Jaw to kind of start the game. Thought there was some, some good adjustments to kind of get him freed up. And then also, there was another highlight. Another Derrick Rose-esque highlight in transition. That's what this team does. They get in transition and either Jaw throws it to somebody. Or somebody throws it to Jaw. Or Jaw throws it to somebody and they throw it back to Jaw. And he's got his hand at the top of the square. That's just That's just life right now. Meanwhile, the Golden State Warriors are waiting for Draymond to come back. They keep easing him in. Steph Curry, I would say at this point, is probably out of his slump. It's not as nasty as it was at all. It's more and more you're getting games that where he looks like looks like him. However, it's just not encouraging. They're one of those teams. They're probably about to go on a five-game lose streak because they're going to play the Nuggets without anybody. Andrew Wiggins has been on a slump and now all of a sudden you know this is look i hope that let the record show i was arguing for andrew wiggins to be an all-star and not an all-star starter because i feel like that's going to get convoluted real fast <laughs> but like people are going to look back and say oh he let wiggins in he, he's playing bad right now man he's not shooting the ball well you're not getting a lot of the the creation and things that you saw when they did that was back when they needed him more i would say too now you've got clay thompson working into the lineup so it felt like it would make his role not less important just you know take some pressure off of it the, the pressure release it just hasn't looked that great so wiggins not doing well Draymond green nowhere to be found Jordan pool inconsistent trying to work clay back in he had seven points last night it's one of his off nights you expect it um I, I just want to see them with Draymond back before I really say things. That's, that's all I'm saying. I just want to see them with Draymond back, and I want to see how good. I was about to say I want to see how good his back is. I don't I don't know if that's exactly where I was going with it, but you get what I mean, right? It's seven days through March already. I haven't heard so many encouraging things. Um, and that second round, I've had my eye on that second round since January. So, and man, Memphis. Broly, boy, 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 it, how how high can you move up on how many things can you do in a season before you're 
before it's just kind of like okay this is who they are believe them versus oh this is a nice story because something i said on a podcast i was on yesterday is chicago even though they've been around the second seed most of this year i was also going i still think they can be beaten though i don't look at them as like a juggernaut they've been second seed but out of all the contenders i still feel like they could be beaten and now because of how close everything is is in the east you see them moving back to that four or five spot so you see it kind of starting to settle and so i felt like that second seed not necessarily that it was a false reading just that hey that it, it could be beaten i don't know if i believe the full force of that that second seed title the grizzlies though in that second seed now and if they're able to solidify it which they should get another half a game on them tonight or tomorrow as the warriors should lose that game we'll see what happens they should lose it uh you get a you get a full game on them and i believe you probably own that tiebreaker right uh, let me just make sure i'm pretty sure because they, they beat them at home and they beat them again earlier this season so yeah they definitely own, off the top of my head i'm pretty sure the Grizzlies own that tiebreaker that might be pretty that might be pretty difficult uh, golden state doesn't have to have home court advantage to win the series that is a veteran squad but um i am i'm looking at them bro i'm looking at them i'm looking at memphis because they just keep pushing that ceiling higher and higher the jaw just keeps going higher and higher that is crazy bro you would not you would not have gotten memphis second seed out of me for any reason before this season started that is that is nuts in other news if it can happen to the New York Knicks, it will. Lost a game to the Suns the other day. They didn't have Book. They didn't have Chris Paul. Cam Johnson hit eight threes, who, by the way, has been doing a ter- terrific job. Just one of the many role players for the Suns that has just had a groove going the whole season. Uh, the Knicks probably should have won the game. They were at the free throw line. I think the free throws were split. Suns did not call a timeout. They ran it down the floor. Cam Johnson let one go from well beyond the the top of the, the three-point line and banked it in. If it can happen to the New York Knicks, it will happen to the New York Knicks. They are now the 12th seed. They are six games out of the play-in, which at this point, you can just go ahead and say they're, they're mathematically elim- eliminated from the playoffs. No playoffs for the Knicks this year. Very disappointing year. Although, you know, be it RJ Barrett has had a nice stretch during the last month, month and a half. So that's encouraging. It's very encouraging. And yeah, that's probably your guy going forward. Uh, <laughs> if it can happen to the New York Knicks, it just will, man. Um, last note I had for last obscure note I had before I do my weekly LA thing is Lonnie Walker. Well, Lonnie Walker for the San Antonio Spurs. So when I look at the Spurs, they're still not they're still not done yet. Um, but again, it's mostly your guy Kelton Johnson. Dejounte Murray, that's really all you're, you're looking for, and where they're gonna go from there. Lonnie Walker has been a, a part of that. Comes into the 2018 draft, it's been steadily improving, but this year it feels like it kind of hit a, not a wall, but yeah, pretty much a wall. You kind of wondered, all right, everybody else, yeah, there's a lot of names on that roster that feel expendable except two right now, and if you're the Spurs and you're looking for your future game plan, Walker's got to be a part of that. Save for the game he had last night, he's he's made some some noise over, um, really a lot of February and leading into now. So, you go to February twelfth over that stretch, he was averaging twenty two points a game, got forty percent from three, fifty three percent from the field. So, you know, it's for the Spurs. Like, what does it mean? Obviously, it's 
it's not really a competitive thing going on there but you get another guy who can who can create um watching him get in the lane a little bit throwing up floaters but mostly shooting though mostly shooting definitely helps him going forward for these squads that are like the pacers and magic or just young teams I, i'm mostly just looking at guys for next season and building blocks for next season so i just did want to give lonnie walker a little bit of his clout because we don't talk about san antonio a lot out here um they've got plenty of things to figure out but they've got some nice building blocks man they've got a few nice building blocks at five points last night again we'll see if it if it goes over if it's just a hot streak um but that could be potentially big for them as they wrap up this season and head into the next one they are also three games out of the play and so yeah math also getting kind of difficult for them as well just given what's in front of them one of those teams that's in front of them is the los angeles lakers so braun had 56 points last night near 19 against none other than your golden state warriors ah that's fun uh, that's the game clay thompson had around seven points in we were talking about braun just did everything he normally does he was getting to the rim at will nobody was there to stop him draymond is very important to the defense of that team not telling you anything you don't know there um but braun was able to get what he wanted able to get it what he wanted side had three consecutive threes i think just to end up tying the game and at a certain point i think he had 40 points and the rest of the team had 51 so it's it, it was a it was a feel good win it's against golden state anytime lebron beats golden state to feel good win a game concludes with braun driving down the lane uh jonathan kaminga helping off of carmelo anthony you, you don't necessarily want to just let braun barrel down the lane but you also don't want to leave the corner shooter either so they did that and now that the rest was history or he did that and the rest was history the lakers aside from that game you know have been your regular mess a Le lebron said you're gonna have to bury me you got to do you know, this that or the other thing and then they got smashed on by the clippers and reggie jackson reggie jackson just toying with them at this point uh, clippers have won a crazy amount of consecutive games against them and i think before last night there was uh the, the twitter not meme i guess but the twitter conversation finally got out there and i think vogel was asked about benching westbrook and he just said that's not something we're looking at right now something along those lines my only question would be what would benching westbrook do at this point because just a lakers and warriors game that's a good win for la but in a game where braun had to score that many to, to barely beat them that's not really sustainable more than likely so it's not to me it's not a uh Oh, season turning win or the energy is shifted not none of that you know, ad is still not there it's not sustainable a lot of the times you, you you still might get braun skipping a pass to kent baysmore and he might hit the side of the backboard that, that could be right around the corner <laughs> it was it just happened so never know when that's coming back um so but it you know what would benching westbrook do though and so now that that conversation is out there that's something that low put out there after game one of the season i think and he had a good game against the warriors by the way i feel obligated to mention that but at this point it just feels like so you said they've gotten dj augustine by the way they signed dj augustine who else did they get um winion gabriel i think and uh, theory supposed to come in athleticism energy type thing DJ Augustine obviously is floor spacer, or, you know, hopefully a floor spacer. So what they're going for there. If you bench Westbrook at this point in the season, where guys are out and you're a play-in team for sure, and you're trying to stay in the play-in, I'm not 
lineup wise and X's and O's wise and giving Braun more space yeah but it just kind of feels like if that was something they were going to do you might as well have done it a while ago springing that on Russ right now and I, it, it doesn't feel like he's really cool with it seems a bit counterproductive we've heard him talk about being benched uh, in press conferences he hasn't liked it clearly who would um, but he's never had that attitude towards it of oh i'll do whatever i need to do to help the team win that that's not the vibe that he gives off um i don't know i just i just feel like it doesn't i just feel like at this point i feel like that was something you probably should have experimented with a while back and you can't because of the politics of the nba because the amount of money he's making and just again that it's the star thing like russell westbrook is still a star name at least that's just that just wouldn't happen but the better thing would have been when you for one of the few times you had lebron and ad experimenting with it at that point i think to make a big difference it would have for the difference that it would probably not end up making now and the problems it would probably just and drama that it would stir up i'm not sure it's worth it for the lakers because um, the season at this at this point it seems like a lost cause to me so that's kind of where i stand with the whole bench westbrook thing and for vogel i think he said we still got a chance to make a run with this squad is is what he's holding on to so I would say, though, again, for the people that say, oh, he should have done it earlier and that and it's a it's a point to blame Vogel. Once again, I just say, like, I don't think that's as easy as it sounds. <laughs> I don't think benching Westbrook on this team in, in, in L.A. is earlier in the season is as easy as it sounds. And I don't think it works as easy as it sounds like it works. That, that's all I would say. Um, but other than that, we don't spend too much time talking about the Lakers on his pod anymore. Probably not going to fall out of the play in three games. Uh, into playing um you know 10th might be the worst that happens and then they'll, they'll just kind of go from there and we will go from here in the season man this is where we are those are some of the things that i wanted to talk about coming into the month of march we are looking at the playoffs like i said in another what, four or five weeks exact date does it start i could ask alexa i ain't gonna do that right now i ain't gonna be extra well I appreciate y'all for listening once again. If you want to be extra, go above and beyond. You can rate the podcast on Spotify. You can hit the like button, comment, and sub. You hit the bell next to my name. Anytime you want notification when these drop, mostly Mondays. They drop on Spotify before that, so. And Apple Podcasts. So that's why I mostly hammer those home. Appreciate you listening this week, and we will be back next week.